Hello and welcome to this podcast trailer of Sam's Alternative slash Sam Saturday, 4 Hours of Power, podcast 2 of 3, part 1. On this part of the podcast, I'll be chatting to Dane from Lismore Metalcore band Vol Inertia about how the band formed, how they came up with the band name, what the response has been like for their album East Coast Low, released last month. I will play A Matter of Time in part 2 of the podcast as well. We'll find out a bit more about the band, so why don't we get into the podcast interview with Dane from Lismore Metalcore band Vol Inertia. Here it is. Afternoon, Dane. Good afternoon, Sam. How are you going? Good. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. That's as clear as day on your Sweet. end. Sweet. Awesome. How's it on my end? Is it clear? Y- yes, yeah, clear. Yeah, nah. Doing pretty good. It's nice to have a day off work. So there's no... Yeah. With this interview because I'm not working till midweek, so um, awesome. I have nothing planned tonight. So if it's up later than what I said on my news feed, then so be it. But I don't think it yeah. will be, so. <laughs> very good. It's nice here in um, Warrigal and Gippsland. How's it up there in Lismore? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it in between? Um, it's well, it's kind of a bit in between. It's a little bit muggy. Um, I'm currently at home, got the fan on, just uh, chilling out, really, not doing much. But, yeah, it is uh, yeah, it is a bit stuffy, I'd say. Well, I guess that's summer <laughs> and humidity. Yeah, for sure. And I guess also Lismore's not actually that far from the Queensland border when we think about it, actually. Yeah, not really, no. It's probably at most like an hour and 40-minute drive from where I am at least. Well, that's not far at all. That's like from where I live to Melbourne, pretty much. That's yeah. Well, it's um pretty much. Well, I guess like the closest Queensland, uh, at least for me, is probably like the Gold Coast or something. Brisbane's probably about uh, about two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. Which uh, sorry, you go. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate, you go, Dane. Oh no, I was just going to say that. Um, yeah, Brisbane generally is like the place that we usually like to branch out to at the moment we don't particularly go many very other uh locations so far for like band stuff but hopefully like we'll get to expand and stuff in the future yep and of course a couple of bands that other people might know from lismore well grinspoon probably the obvious big name oh yeah that's 100 percent. <laughs> but um total buzzkill as well who, funnily enough, yeah. put me on to Volley Inertia, funnily enough, yeah. put me on to you guys, so. Yeah, no, um, yeah, Total Buzzkill, they're probably one of our closest uh, friends. Uh, we've, I've been friends with Will for, for a couple of years now. Um, that's how I met Will and Total Buzzkill. Um, yeah, no, they're easily some of our close friends we've played many shows with them and yeah we i love those boys they're a bunch of good people and they just released a banger if you haven't heard it it dropped on wednesday it's called the matriarch i feel like it's their best work yet and that's a big call but i feel like it's their best single i agree it's a great great track but I've got to stop singing the chorus at work because the chorus <laughs> is probably not the most appropriate thing 
in hospitality. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think that'd be very appropriate, hey? <laughs> oh, actually, mm, some of it wouldn't be too bad, but there's a part that I won't go into on the podcast because it's actually <laughs> depressing. But um, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's so catchy. It's just been on repeating. Given how much good music dropped this week, like with Vilify and Diamond Construct, Total Buzzkill, so many great bands, it's hard to listen to everything and then go back to it sort of thing. I bet, yeah. There's a lot of lot of our new releases uh, so far within this year that are just, yeah, just non-stop banger after banger, really. It's hard to keep up with it all, isn't it? It certainly is, Dane, and I'm still yeah. trying to get my head around that East Coast Low is over a month old already. Where's that month? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of flown by, hey, it's really uh doesn't even feel like that long since we put it out there even though it hasn't been that long like it's just one month's done and yeah it's kind of hard to believe and i love the album east coast low like i think it's amazing from start to finish oh cheers brother my favorite song on the album changes from day to day though one day it's a matter of time next day it's into depth collide and collapse it's sort of just yeah, it sort of varies from time to time. I'd have to agree, hey, like there's like stages even come from my perspective of um, performing those songs. It's like sometimes it varies, hey, it's like one day it's like, oh, I really think that A Matter of Time is my favourite and and then like maybe like next week or the next day, like could be like Collide, Collide and Cope or, um, you know, Into the Depths and it's like, it's really, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but I just, I suppose I go through um, just different phases of where, like, I get sick of one song, of, like, practising one song, and then, like, oh, let's do this song, you know? And I guess, given, like, I think a lot of people outside the music scene wouldn't realise just how many times bands would have heard each song before the album gets released because you've got to mix oh, 100%. and 100%. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, man, like before the album even came out, I'd think that I'd listen to at least each song probably well over a thousand times. I mean, like a lot of those songs are like three or four years old um, and, and never really got recorded until a couple of years after we actually made them. Oh, so, yeah, you would be probably tired of them to <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, safe to say, like, before the album came out, I listened to a lot of the tracks when they were fully done. Um, but even before we released them, I, like, I'd sort of well overplayed them <laughs> before it even came out. And I haven't really listened to it much once <laughs> now it's out because uh, I've just listened to it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can't actually remember. Did I actually introduce you at the start, Dane? Because I feel really bad if I haven't. I don't know, but if you haven't, that's all good. <laughs> Let's just do it for if I did forget, because that would be completely rude of the interviewer. <laughs> Dane that's all good. Is one of the members of Lismore Metalcore Band, Volley Inertia. So now you're knowing who I'm talking to. It's not some stranger off the streets <laughs> it's Dane from Bowl Inertia there we go hello because <laughs> I feel so embarrassed sometimes because I reckon 
there's been a couple of interviews where we've chatted for like 20 minutes and I've forgotten to introduce the person I'm interviewing. I'm thinking, holy crap, haven't I actually said this is such and such from the band? I'm like, whoops. Yeah, whoopsie daisy. Uh, it's, it's no no biggie. It's all good. <laughs> well, I guess sort of people would have sort of picked up when we said like East Coast Low and also through of course, Will from Total Buzzkill. So I think there's a yeah. few giveaways there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, little breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, big news if no one has seen, and a lot of bands are joining this um, group, is that Vol Inertia actually just joined E11 Live and Loud in the last week or so, which is awesome to see. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because that's a long list of bands on that lineup. You got Engraved, you've got North Road, Deadweight Eighty, you've got The Reasons Why, Susan Cheapskate, Ironstone. The list is just growing by the moment. Yeah. Um, see, I, I didn't really know too much about. Uh, was it El- Elven Live Loud or something? Is that what it was called? The Eleven Life and Louder. Yeah. See, um, our our drummer Eddie um, contacted them. Or, no, I think they contacted us, but Eddie sort of handled all that, so I didn't really know too much about it. Um, I've been a little bit out of the loop, but, um, yeah, uh, Eddie sort of uh, handled all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I haven't really read too much into it, but it, it's uh, it's a good opportunity to, uh, I guess, network with uh, you know a bunch of other creators and artists and things like that, so it's a really, really good thing. And I think it's not only just here in Australia. I think there's some bands like from the Philippines and France and that as well. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, but um, the guy from E11 Live and Loud mentioned something. He said, "What about you interview every single band part of E11 Live and Loud?" I'm like that would take forever because there's like sixty bands on yeah. the list. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be uh, that would be very uh, time consuming. <laughs> well, of course, off two this year already, and I've got another one in May, so I'm slowly getting there, slowly. But... <laughs> slowly, yeah. Slow and slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> That's the one, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot happening with Bolinersha at the moment, which is awesome to see and. I think you're in good company with how awesome music is coming out of Australia at the moment. There's so much to listen to. There is, yeah. Australia is uh, really um, just a, a really good place for like heavy music and you know lots of talent and up and coming bands. It's it's awesome to see. Mm. And I think for so long it was sort of the Parkways, the Carnivals, um, Amadeus. Northly to a degree. Now it's sort of like, who is the next big name band out of Australia? And I think there's about six or seven you could pick that could all break big into the world scene easily. Hundred percent. Um, I can like remember like when Void of Vision and and Thornhill were pretty sort of classified as underground. Now they've made a pretty big name for themselves. Um, especially especially Thornhill. Um, you know wasn't even that long ago where you know they were pretty sort of underground and now they're 
like touring overseas, which is yes, huge for Australian bands to do that. And Void obviously played um, Not Fest last year in Melbourne and Sydney, and they've played yeah. Uh, doing really well as well yeah it's awesome it's just a pity i can't get to that void gig in mary warren on the 23rd because you've got another gig in melbourne that same night it's just like oh gloom and void last martyr at one and then dead weight um volatile identity error at the other like how do i pick this one yeah (laughs) it's it's a tough choice hey because i remember um full tilt festival which was i think probably like two years ago now is there's so many great bands and there was two stages, but there were like a band that I really loved and another band that I really loved were playing at the same time. And it's like, fuck, which one do I not see? Which one do I see? And it's, 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 it's really a tough choice. It is like, yeah. that's why I loved, um, not fest and unify in particular, cause there were only the two stages and they were both next door. But when, like, good things, full tilt, um, sound wave back in the day, when there's five or six stages and you're trying to get to one stage from another, unless it's one and two, you've got no hope of getting there quickly. No, no. And, like, another thing with uh, full tilt is um, there was a, I think Alpha Wolf was in playing, like, in the indoor stage. And I was like, yeah, let's go see Alpha Wolf. And the next thing you know, like, the line is, like, long like just ridiculously long and you're just thinking like oh i don't think we're making it into that one <laughs> we'll go watch the outside band <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I tend to have a thing that if i'm in a spot that's a good spot i don't move from that because i came unstuck with parkway and slipknot last year i was sort of like yeah. all right i'll walk watch parkway in their section and then walk over to slipknot there was no chance in hell that I was going to go for the Slipknot from where I was standing. No. was um, I remember not first last year, I think someone climbed like a top of this, um, oh, like this uh, pole. Oh, like where they had the speakers and that. Yeah, someone climbed top of that. And I'm not sure if that was Brisbane, Melbourne or Sydney. I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, that was pretty hectic. Did that happen at the Melbourne show? It was Melbourne, yeah, because I remember Corey Taylor literally stopped in the middle of one of Slipknot's songs and he says, I'm not performing again until that person gets down off the pole. Yeah, that's hectic. you imagine what you'd be feeling? Like, um, I'd be so embarrassed if everyone's just, like, booing at me and chanting at me while I'm, um, you know, climbing down and stuff. And I think, like, the worry is, like, if it was really windy and there was a big wind gust and you're on top of that pole. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, oh, you're, you'd be in a bit of trouble. And especially, um, imagine, like, the people that are below him. Like, if he lands on them, <laughs> they're in trouble too, like... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bloody hectic. Yeah. And how could he... How could they think they'd get away with a day? They thought, oh, we wouldn't, and no one would notice up, us up on the pole. And it's like, um, there's lights everywhere. Slipknot's show is lighting to a degree. It's going to shine on you. You're not going to get away with it. It's- 100%. There's, um, and plus, 
I don't even know how many people there over it, like easily, you know, thousands of people there as if one person's not going to spot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and cameras and, you know, phones. Yeah. You think you're going to get found out, I reckon. <laughs> I believe, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. But the other thing just on the clash of um, bands at shows, I remember good things a couple of years ago where I stupidly decided to grab dinner at 5.30pm thinking, oh, it'll only be 10 minutes and I'll go and watch No Effects. I was in the line yep. for nearly 45 minutes and missed oh, the whole dear. No Effects set. I was like, no! God. Bugger, that's, yeah. <laughs> I um I'm a highly impatient person, so if I was you know waiting in line for like even half an hour, I'd be like, nah, I'd rather starve. <laughs> yeah. I should, yeah. Have just, I should have gone earlier. I should have gone at like four thirty to grab dinner. As strange as that sounds. <laughs> so in case like if it was forty minutes wait, at least I'd be out of the line eating by quarter past five and still have time to get to no effects at six. But yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, you don't really know until you sort of in it up, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and hindsight is such a great thing, like it is, <laughs> it does, no, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, nah, crazy, um, gig stories that I've been to and lots of festivals over the years, but um, no festivals as of yet. I'm going to in 2024. Not going to not yeah. festivals. I don't think so either. There's uh, with festivals. I haven't really been to many festivals. Mainly just like um, like uh, small gigs and stuff like that. Even like big gigs, but not like festival sort of gigs. Like say um, just like a big venue with you know at least like thousands of people in it. That's like probably uh, as close as like you can get to a festival. But um, festival wise, I, I've probably only been to like one or two festivals. Um, yeah. Well, it costs so much more when you think about it. Like, I do. I know you get more bands and worth your buck, but $200 plus food plus getting there. And, and drinks too. Drinks too. You're probably looking yeah. for $300, $350 just for that. Easy, yeah. And, um, like, you know, festivals like can be fun, but, at the same time, you've got to be comfortable with the fact that you're probably going to be standing up for a good, like if you want to watch the whole festival, you know, you're going to be there for probably 12 hours and you've got to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to be doing a lot of standing and a lot of walking. Uh, and I think preference-wise, I'd prefer to go to a, to a show where it's like a three three to four band lineup. Oh, hey, sorry, I'm uh, busy on the phone. Sorry, my bad. Um, no, no, that's fine, Dane. <laughs> sorry, uh, I had some company. But, um, yeah, no, I'd much rather prefer a three to four band lineup. Um, just, you know, get a couple hours of enjoyment rather than, like, ten hours where it's, like, strenuous when you're standing up. I don't know, it might just cause be I'm lazy. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it gets to a point in a festival where you, you're sort of burned out and, you know, you just get tired and... You know, the last thing you want to do is just, like, stay up and uh, stand up for t like 10 to 12 hours and, and be buggered by the time you leave the festival and then get home a ridiculous time in the morning. I'd, I'd just sort of much prefer, like, a, 
you know, three to four hour enjoyment where, you know, it's cheaper too. So, yeah, I think that like big gigs that aren't festivals is sort of my sort of thing. Yeah. But it's all preference, yeah. I I sort of can see what you're saying though, Dane. I'd probably be 75% agreeing with that definitely because like outside of Unify, which no longer happens at Tarwan Lower, I think I couldn't do like the sound waves or the good things where it's 10 to 12 hours plus you've got to get to the place because Warrigal's not in Melbourne. There's the hour and a half to and from. Yeah, right. So so what's it called, Warrigan? Warrigal. Warrigal. Okay. So is that like a town or like somewhere in the middle of nowhere or? Uh, it's a town. A lot of people in Melbourne think it's out in the middle of nowhere when they hear how far oh. I come to live music. And I just, yeah, right. say, I just say, I'm in Gippsland, and they go, oh, you're from down Ocean Sleeper away. I'm like, mm, all right, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Ocean Sleeper are from Sale, which is a bit further on. but Oh, so is Ocean Sleeper like Victorian-based? Yeah, they're based, or three of the members, sorry, are based in Melbourne. Yeah, right. I would have thought. I would have thought they would have been from um, Sydney. That's what I would have thought they would have been from. Well, I reckon, just given how big they have become, actually, Ocean Sleeper. Like, we talk about Thornhill. I reckon Ocean Sleeper probably like is the Thornhill from a couple of years ago. They've just come from the underground to one of the biggest metal bands in this country. Oh, yeah, Ocean Sleeper have become huge, hey? Yeah, and they're good blokes too. Like, caught up with all of them. Carl's a bit shy, but outside of that, I don't have an issue with that. He's a nice enough guy. And, yeah, you know, sometimes, like, if you don't know someone, like, Carl doesn't know me very well, so I can sort of understand why he's a bit shy. That's completely understandable. Yeah, yeah. But he always says hello anyway, so that's not him being rude. And, you know, I've had some bands where they're like, yep, let's have a chat. Some are sort of like, hi, thanks for coming down, and that's it. It, It's really whatever band's comfortable with. I don't want to go to gigs and feel like the band has to talk to me. That's just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone's sort of different. Everyone has, like, a, I guess, a different social battery. Um, Yeah, I haven't, like... From my personal experience, I'll, I've always struggled with uh, social interaction and uh, being present and, you know, trying to talk to people. But I guess as eight, like as I've aged, uh, I guess I've just sort of become a little bit more comfortable and confident enough to, you know, have regular conversations with people and, and meet new people. But, you know, for a lot of people, I can understand that, you know, it's not always easy to be social with people like, uh, you know, yeah, it's just... I guess circumstance as well, like I could either be very, very social when I'm like really happy or if I'm like really down in the depths, uh, yeah, I've got zero social battery at all. (laughs) Well, judging by the 23 minutes we've been chatting for, Dane, which is nearly 23 minutes, you're definitely social on this sense. Yeah, see, see, some days it's not always like that. There are days where I don't say a word and there's other days where I just don't stop talking so you know i can go on a million tangents about it but um yeah i guess um see i'm i'm sort of winging it i don't really know what to say but um yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so I do apologize if I have been out awkward or um yeah, just just tell me when to shut up. <laughs> well, I'll never say that because that that would be completely rude of the interviewer because you know, <laughs> I talk shit so much, I mean people probably want me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But um, no, no, that's the beauty of podcasts. And everyone's like, oh, it's easier to do a radio interview or a Zoom meeting and that. I'm like, it's actually not. It's easier to do a podcast interview because there's generally no length of time. And also, even if you wing it with podcasting, any answer or any talk can make quality out of a podcast interview see with radio you put there on the spot right at the moment yeah pretty much yeah and i speaking of that i just went on the radio i think last week i think it was and um yeah i can definitely feel that 100 percent like being put on the spot like they even made me do a uh, a vocal technique over the radio and i had no idea it was coming but the other boys knew but i didn't so i was put right on the spot and, um, I mean, looking back, it was, it was, it was quite funny. I, I wasn't embarrassed or anything, but I was pretty anxious at the time. <laughs> oh, I me. I think if I was <laughs> in a band and put on the spot for a radio interview to do a vocal, um, demonstration or, you know, sing one of your choruses online, I think I'd be shit scared. Yeah. See, it's kind of funny because, like, on stage, there's no pressure or no being put on the spot because you know you're going to do it. But when you don't know, it's like, oh, shit, what do I do? <laughs> do, I, do I do it? Do I make a fool out of myself? But, you know, that's the thing sometimes. I I try my best not to take life too seriously. Like, there's a level of degree where sometimes and other times we, you know, just everything seriously. Yeah. Uh, life's too short to be serious 100% of the time, so... 100%, yeah. I fully agree with that one. Oh, well, we've talked about 25 minutes and I haven't even asked a question. Shit, this is going <laughs> on record for the longest time without asking the guest a question. Shit, Sam, get your up. shit together. <laughs> uh, All right, so generally what happens, Dane, um, is I interview the guest or guests in some cases from the band, find a bit out about the band, um, you know, how the band formed, uh, how they came up with band name, those sorts of things. And yep. then at the end, Dane has the opportunity, if he wants to, to ask the interviewer any questions. So I'll give you a bit of time to think of some if you have some. Yep. So, and nothing's off limits either on your end like when you if you've got questions to ask me i'm not offended if you ask me anything really so sweet well good i'll uh I'll make sure to think of something <laughs> yep and um you will get both these links uh very shortly after the interview because they're both done uh a matter of time will be played on part two of the podcast as well so sweet all right well, Dane, how did Vola Inertia form as a band? Well, um, so Vola Inertia sort of formed um, or sort of already sort of had members before I joined the band. Um, so mm, there's our lead guitarist, Jack Campbell. He 
uh, started going to the studio called Nedland Studio in Lismore. And uh, he met, I think he met our drummer, Eddie, through like a musician's network page on Facebook. And Eddie had this work friend called Max, who is our, um, he's, he's our rhythm guitarist. And it was sort of those three for a bit. And, you know, they just started jamming, didn't really think much of it. Uh, wasn't really a band at that point. It was just mates going to jam and hang out and have fun and just, you know, play some music together. And sort of once they sort of had a few things uh, in the works, just like little demos and little riffs and sort of ideas, um, eventually uh, one night I was out at a club just drinking and uh, I ran into Jack. And so uh, Jack's our lead guitarist. So ran into Jack and we knew each other from school. We went to the same high school, but we were never really like close mates or we just sort of just knew of each other, but never really spoke to, to each other in school. So this sort of happened after I finished school. Um, yeah, and one night Jack said, I'm looking for a bass player. And I was like, oh, I don't play bass. Like I play guitar. See, uh, I've always been a guitarist, uh, electric, acoustic what, and whatnot. So... You know, not he had no one else he could find bass for, so I was like, oh, I'll give it a gr- I'll give it a crack. So then I joined, and uh, we started just going to the studio, and you know, we'd go once a week, and we started uh, forming something. Uh, and at that point, we didn't have a vocalist, uh, so it was just me, uh, Max, Jack, and Eddie. So it was us four. Uh, we 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 sort of uh, got you know good four three songs to work with that are all really uh, originals and uh at that point uh we didn't have a vocalist so we sort of went on facebook and found a vocalist and from there we just uh for another year we just kept on um you know this was all during the the, the pandemic and the lockdown um so yeah so we we couldn't play gigs uh so really all we could do was just write music and make music so that's what we did and um at that point uh, i think this was so this was 2020 and uh the start of 2021 i think no sorry the end of 2021 uh we started recording our first ep scalp um and this is really before we played any shows um and then uh, we had a bit of a, a dispute with our old vocalist. Uh, I won't go too much into detail of that because uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff that went down. So I'll, uh, I'll, I, won't, I won't go into that. But um, uh, at that point, we didn't have a vocalist. We were recording an EP and we're like, oh, if we don't have anything, anyone to do vocals. And I was like, I sort of took... I stepped up and uh, I think I thought, you know what, we don't have vocalists. Uh, I'll just do vocals. So that's what we did, and um, that's sort of how we made Scalp. And from that point on, um, I was a vocalist, and I I think I was a bass player of that band for about two years before I did vocals. Um, and the only reason I was a bass player to begin with because you know I'm a guitarist, but you know there were already too many guitarists in the band, so there wasn't room for another. Uh, electric so i just decided to do bass so yeah so i did go on a bit of a tangent but i i kind of uh sorry i lost my train of thought but yeah no from starting the scalp ep um 
we were out of a bass player. So I was like, you know, my, my younger brother, Aiden, um, he, you know, knows at least how to play a little bit. Uh, he wasn't the greatest when he started, but um, we didn't care. We wanted someone that we were, we could get along with. And obviously I get along with my brother. So we thought, you know, I'll just get my little brother. He, he's a perfect fit, um, you know, and the boys really grew to love, like, uh, love him in that. So, um, yeah, it's been that way ever since. And, yeah, it's a great thing. And I think it's um, it's very common here in Australia at the moment. I've noticed that a lot of um, brothers are playing in bands, you know, from the ACD days to now I can probably think of at least 15 or 20 here in Australia that's either two brothers or three brothers in the same band. Yeah, see, Total Buzzkill has got three brothers in that band that are, that's pretty much majority of the band is brothers, except for other two. There's other two members that aren't related to yeah. the, the Tarrants, but that's about it. See, I never, I know of. it's weird. I never realised that Will and Lindsay were brothers. I knew that Will and Jake were brothers, but it was yeah. like, yeah, shows how. Another fun fact is that I actually used to play in Total Buzz Kill as well as Bowler at the same time. See, wow. um, I I did rhythm guitar for Buzzkill for about a year and probably about a year and a half. I was a rhythm guitarist for Buzzkill, um, but you know life sort of got in the way, and it it was you know being in one band was hard enough, and and having the time to band two it just sort of just didn't fit, um, and I just you know chose to stay in the band that you know that got started in. Yep. Hello. Hello. Afternoon, Danny. Hi. So, so sorry about that. No, that's can you hear me? I was enjoying that story. I can hear you perfectly. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, one of my family members called. Oh, no, no, that's all right. I thought, yeah, I thought I might have accidentally pressed finish recording. I'm like, I hope I didn't press that. No, see, I um, tried to deny the phone call, but for some reason it just completely cut out of the podcast, but that's all good. All good. <laughs> so where, where was I? I don't even remember. Well, something to do with um, you being part of Total Buzzkill briefly. That's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, looking back, it's crazy to think that I used to be in Buzzkill and they're doing so good now. Um, mm. And, you know, to this day, actually, fun fact is I also used to live with Lindsay, uh, Will's brother. We uh, were uh, housemates for a good couple of months. So, yeah, that's another little bonus fact, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess given that you both live in Lismore, there's a fairly good chance that um, you probably had lived together at some stage. Yeah. It's, um, no, it's, yeah, Total Buzzkill Vol Inertia. If you haven't checked them out, you're missing out on a lot. I'm telling you that right now. Hell yeah. 
the the two bands, uh, two other bands from Lismore, obviously outside of Grinspoon. Obviously, people are probably thinking, "Who's the third one?" There's the third one, but. <laughs> 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 oh. Okay, how did you come up with the band name Vola Inertia? See, yeah, that's a good question because um, sort of uh, it's hard to explain because uh, the real answer to that question lies within uh, our lead guitarist Jack. Um, I think I don't know. He sort of just came up with the name, and I didn't really question it too much. Didn't really think about it, but I think. You know, he just thought it sounded cool, so that's what we rolled with. <laughs> well, Vol is a very unusual um, word in a band title. Like, even Inertia is. I mean, there is a band from Sydney called Inertia, but... Yeah, it's... there's also a band uh, overseas called Vola as well. Oh. I don't well, even I know think... where they're from, but yeah, there is a band. Uh, they're spelt in all capitals, Vola. Just, yeah, it's just Vola. Well, um, I, think, I think they're both sort of in the heavy genre as well. Whenever I think of Vola or anything starting with Vola, I keep thinking of Volbeat, the band from Denmark. Um, oh, what was yeah, their right. really big song? I can't think what it was called, but it's got similar name to Vola Inertia, but obviously it's Volbeat instead. But um, yeah. not as heavy as Vola Inertia, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it does yeah. roll off the tongue, though, I reckon, your band name. Yeah, see, I'd like to think about if someone asks me what it really meant, I think Vola is like, I think it's like the palm of your hand or something, and like inertia is like the speed of something, I think. So I guess you could say <laughs> take it however you want it, but it could be like a side meaning of palming someone in the face. Not that that's <laughs> what we'd want to mean. That's not what we want to be perceived as, but... I mean, I guess you can interpret it however you like to. <laughs> maybe a fart. Well, if inertia's um, speed and the vol is part of your palm, maybe it's a quick slap to the face, maybe to get you into vol inertia. Maybe. Quite, maybe. I guess <laughs> whatever strategies work to to get more fans and engagement. I suppose. <laughs> Again, not that I'm encouraging people to go out there and hit someone to get them to listen no. to music. <laughs> I, I definitely, I 100% agree. I do not condone any of that sort of things to anybody. <laughs> no. Obviously, at gigs, you can mosh and do all that, but don't go yeah. to someone just in general. Yeah. Hate. Listen as long as you don't hate moshing, I can't stand being in a, at a gig where people are actually um, purposely going out of their way to. Uh, you know, harm others, that's just such a dick move. And I don't, I have no place or tolerance for the, any of those kinds of things. I hate that sort of thing. I've got to agree with you there, Dane. I don't yeah. mind people moshing, but do it. If you're just there to go and kick someone in the face or punch someone, fuck off and get out of yeah. the venue. 100%. And there, there have been times where I've just seen people and you just look at them and they're clearly like swinging their fists, aiming them at people. And it's like, how do you even like what goes on in your mind thinking that's okay? Like it's, it's yeah. Like, I don't know. Imagine you're with your family. Like you could have like a sister or a, a girlfriend or something. And you know, they're the ones that get hurt. And it's like, 
it's it's not really accidental. No, but I think the most scary thing about what you were saying just then, Dane, and I've seen this actually across some platforms, is that people who are staying out of the mosh pit are getting targeted by people in the mosh pit who are going around kicking people. And it's just like, if someone's standing to the side not wanting to be in the mosh pit, what gives them the right to go up and say, I might just mosh and kick someone in the head? Yeah, no, I I do not understand their, their thinking at all. And it's just, um, you know, people... I guess they're looking to blow off some steam. That's probably one thing. They're probably not very happy in their own life that they're looking for some sort of fight or, you know, they just want to release. And it's such a toxic way of thinking and view of life to, you know, be like that. So, um, you know, if I was playing a gig, say if I was, I don't know, let's just say as a scenario, I was like the singer of this massive band, or something and and that sort of went down like you know in my shoes i would 100 percent i'd stop the song and i'd be like nah get this guy out of here that's not tolerated you know and i've seen it happen like this was at the sb a year or so ago and this drunk guy just somehow got in and i don't know where the security was and he was literally being completely inappropriate with yeah. people and the lead singer of the band just goes, get that cunt out of here, pardon my language, but I'm, well, I don't care about swearing <laughs> on the podcast anyway, but like yeah, the yeah. lead singer's like, just get this cunt out of here. Don't ever come back into the, our set again. And it's just, I hate to say it, Dana, I think it's that damn C word and the pandemic that have made people go loopy. I think. Oh, hundred percent. And the 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 singer did the right thing of you know eliminating the danger because it is a danger. Like he could hurt someone, and you know, it only takes one wrong hit, and you know, someone's got an injury in the head, and it's yeah. He did everything that I would have done. At least people with a normal train of thought would have done too. Mm. Look, and I'm gonna say this right here, right now. I don't have an issue with people moshing as long as they're moshing and not hurting anyone that's completely exactly. yeah but, and just at the end of the day just i guess be respectful of other people hey yeah because and moshing's not for me but i understand why people do it it's just yeah uh, not a big I'm not really much yeah i'm not really a big mosher either there are times where i'm in the mood for it and there's other times where it's like uh you know, a couple of minutes for me is enough. It, like, I'm sweaty, I'm out of breath. I'm like, yeah, that'll be enough for me for today. <laughs> <laughs> but some venues here in Melbourne, you sort of can't avoid the mosh pit because they're so small. It's sort of like, well, I didn't want to be in there, but because it's such a small cap venue, you can't avoid it sort of thing. So, Yeah. Now, there, there are places we've played where the venue's massive and then there's other places we've played where, you know, it's hard to even fit like 10 people in a room or like it's just tactic some, you know, and I guess as well, I, I'd prefer to play a gig where the room's full, where there's not really too many people there, maybe like 20 or 30, but sometimes those sorts of gigs, you get more energy out of people than like a full crowd of people that are just standing there. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. 
I actually I like those like smaller gigs because they feel more sort of personal and more sort of you can connect with the crowd and that's something that I've learned to do as well is engage with the crowd more and and the more gigs that I play the better I get at it and I also think um the 20 to 30 gig ones is sort of more pressure to keep those 20 or 30 people at your show because they could have been anywhere else on that night or day, but they've come to see your band before. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it is definitely, I guess getting people engaged is not the hardest part. The hardest part is keeping them engaged Mm. is, is the hardest part. But, um, yeah, there are some shows where there are people that, you know, keep that same energy the whole time. And there are other people that are just like, um, that are just there in the background, just sort of watching and observing. But, you know, even those sorts of people I'm grateful for because the fact that they're there and they're watching us, it's, yeah, no matter if I play in front of 10 people or 100 people, I'm always grateful that I'm doing a show and, and people are watching us. So, yeah. Mm. I remember interviewing a band. This was like last year, I think it was, and they... Um, had someone come up to them and they said they'd paid $75 for the ticket for four bands. It was a pretty well-known band. And yep. they that person actually said they paid the $75 to see the band on first, which was this band I was interviewing. They didn't care about the rest of the night. I mean, something like that is priceless when it comes to feedback. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, wait. So was this the um, the first band they said this to? Or was this the last band? This was the first band they actually said to it at the um, merch stand. Yeah. They said this fan came up to him and said that um, the reason I bought a ticket was to see you guys, who were yep. the first band. Which is that's oh yeah, that, that is hundred percent like. I've sort of experienced that a little bit once or twice. Um, the um, we did a show in Byron Bay at the youth center, um, and that's that's a venue where Parkway started at. Um, and I think there were two people. So we opened up, um, and there were two people from Brisbane that found out about us because we played a Brisbane show a couple months earlier. And they travelled all the way from Brisbane to Byron just to watch the starting band, which was us. And that's huge, like, um, just to go out of their way, just to, you know, see a band that's opening, that's not even the main act, is, is a, a really good thing. And that's, that's a fair drive. Like, it's not as far as some trips like Melbourne to Sydney and that, but Brisbane yeah. to Byron Bay still a few hours to and from. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's such a great um, thing when there there are people that like just go out of their way just to watch you, and it, it absolutely just means the world, hundred percent. It's it's an awesome thing. And I'd, like for so long, I didn't realize just like how important it is to go to live music and stay like watch the opening band and stay till the end. Like I knew it was important, and bands love it, but like. You know, I've come to realise that 
even if you don't even um, go up to the band after the set, even if you they know you've travelled and come to your gig and stayed for the whole night, watched the opening band through till the last band, they will appreciate you. They will, 100%. And it's... It's just, it's so heartwarming just to, you know, there's, you know there's people out there that will support you no matter what. I mean, unless you do something fucking heinously fucked up. Um, but, like, it, it's it's a great thing, and um, I'm just so appreciative of the, the people out there that really support others. It's, it's amazing. Mm. So if anyone's listening to this and is not, like, I know there's obvious things in your life like family commitments and work commitments and that, but if you're not getting out to live music as much, I would strongly suggest you start supporting the live music scene as much as possible. It's it like even like one person might not be a lot of people, but that one person over time like sort of adds up. So like, you know, a couple of people even over the span of, you know, a couple or one person like really makes a difference. Mm. And like in the big picture, it might not mean a lot, but, you know, sort of over time, it, I, I can't really explain where I'm trying to go with this, but basically, you know, that one person makes a difference. Like it, each, each person like, really just, yeah, I really don't know where I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, a couple people in a room, and then, like, another couple people in a room, and another couple, like, you know, they, they, it adds up, you know? Mm. It could also so, be those couple of people that keeps that venue open as well. Exactly, and, you know, the people that support the music and go to these shows are really what, what sort of keeps it afloat, you know? Because without them, there would be no none of that. So, um, no. you know, always appreciate people that go out of their way to even just watch a little bit of the set, you know? Yeah. And I'm so, not yeah. saying to people to go to gig every week or every day, but, like, if you went to even one gig a month, that's 12 gigs a year minimum. I mean, yeah. that keeps the scene alive. It does. Yeah, it's... And I, I have found... And a lot of people I know do also worry about attending live music on their own. And that, I can understand that because, um, you know, there's people out there that would rather go with people, friends, family, whatever it may be. I feel it's actually better in a way to go on your own for two reasons. One, 90% of the time someone will come up and have a chat with you. And secondly, you can decide, you know, if you want to go early, whether you um, come later, you know, there's no sort of pressure on when to go to the actual gig or when to leave in that case. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely it's something that I think everyone should experience. Like, even if you don't have... Uh, a partner or uh, some friends to go with go out and experience things on your own go out and experience at least one one or two shows on your own and you know you might meet 
a new friend that um, you know you can go to shows with, or you know just share similar experiences, or you know experience a show even if you don't know anybody. Um, you know you, you can have a great time, and and you, you never know like who you could become friends with, and that's the beauty of it, I think. But yeah, um, it's uh, honestly. I can say I've been to a couple of shows on my own, and and I've always left the show thinking, oh, I'm glad I did that. It was it was a great experience. It doesn't matter if I didn't have anyone to go with. I still had a great time, you know. I think that's the kind of mindset. Um, good afternoon. So I don't know what happened there. I think we're one from one. Maybe I think that might have been the end. Ah, oh, it's all good. <laughs> oh but yeah. But no, what dang was saying in that last part is very true. Like if you experience one or two shows on your own, you just don't know who you'll meet. You might meet your new bestie to go to gigs with. hundred percent. Oh, it's, it's always, it's just, it's a, it's a good experience. And I think everyone should at least, you know, even if they're scared, do things that challenge you, do things that put you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, you know, just, it's it's experiences like that that just make you appreciate it. It's also the other thing is that um, if you don't go and see this band, whoever the band might be, like they might be a band that's around for the next 20 years, but if, you know, they might not tour Australia again for another 10 years, you look at someone like Tool or, you know, Queens of the Stone Age that generally have toured Australia a bit, but, you know, because they're from the US, they don't get over here as much, or even Blink-182. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would they're playing next week, aren't they? Yeah, with Rise Against. They're playing everywhere at the moment, which is awesome to yeah. see. Bloody oath. But, um, yeah, I think just take the opportunity and go see that local band or international band in some cases. Definitely, yeah. And you never know what kind of good time you could be missing out on. You could even meet someone famous at a gig. Yeah. Like Sam did at Bergie a couple of weeks ago, which I wasn't expecting. I met Emmy from Red Hook was down from Sydney, which I was like, hang on a minute, doesn't Emmy live in Sydney? And someone's like, oh, she's here for her birthday. I'm like, okay. Didn't even realise she was in Melbourne, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and nice. yeah that was funny though because she thought i worked at the venue because when i came over and said hello to her she's like oh hi are you working here I'm like no because <laughs> <laughs> she thought i was gonna tell her to put a cigarette or a vape out or something i'm like no i wouldn't care about that not that i smoke but it wouldn't bother yeah. me <laughs> yeah fair enough Uh, all right well even though it's only been out a month um what has the overall response been for east coast load it's been it's been uh, really good um there's been a lot of uh positive um comments and and lots of you know close friends and fans and family have have really sort of you know i've got heaps of messages saying that you know, they really enjoyed this song and, and they really enjoyed 
like this other song and overall everyone's um you know been telling us that they've been like having our songs on repeat and and things like that and yeah it's 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 really really um I'm trying to think of a good word uh yeah it's amazing um really 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 happy with uh how everyone's thought about it um people people have said you know it's a banger from start to finish so you know it's yeah it's been huge it's been awesome and i i just love the um mixture of songs on east coast low as well like there's some really heavy ones there's some in between and melodic stuff it's sort of i could see um where the sounds like influences come from like while she sleeps and bring me the horizon black label society i can see where those come into effect yeah yeah that's actually i haven't heard those um i've never actually heard anyone say those sorts of influences but our guitarist jack well he loves while she sleeps and and we all we all sort of like share similar interests so i i guess um yeah we've all sort of got our own um interests but we we try and like to i guess combine them and and just create what we create so yeah and like um while she sleeps like i wasn't a huge fan but then like when they released um their new couple of the new singles that just got dropped uh to the flowers that dropped on the weekend and also yeah i listened to that one too i was sort of yeah it was oh sorry you go oh and i was just gonna say to the flowers is really really good i really enjoyed that one Mm. And Self Hell, I really enjoyed as well, which was, I think, the first. Yeah. Single. It was a bit different, really, not sort of the While She Sleeps that I know of, but I I still enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, I'm really keen for this album. Whenever It's not actually that far away from dropping, I don't think. It's, I think, maybe next yeah, right. month. So. Yeah, it should be good. But, um, yeah, the interesting one is the Black Label Society influence i'm like like i listened to the album this morning and funnily enough scalp as well before the interview i'm like yeah on the first listen i was sort of like okay i can sort of start to see why they're saying there's a bit of a black label of society influence but at first i was sort of like nah can't see it as much yeah um, see there's different, um, everybody's different, but, you know, some people will say, I can hear, like, a Parkway influence, like, that's, like, the main influence we hear, but others say, like, a Slipknot kind of vibe, and really, like, we we try and just write uh, whatever sounds good to us, and what we enjoy writing, and um, we like to just vary in terms of, like, we some songs we want to be really heavy and then like other songs we sort of want more of like a melodic sort of feel and you know chilled out and yeah and to experiment and mix it up is the best way to go i reckon in music yeah 100 percent. um i think we'd get very bored if every song sounded the same <laughs> so it's uh i i do what i really do enjoy about east coast slow is there's a bit of variety like there's i think to open up the album it's a like sort of soft song but 
um, then it goes from that song and, and transitions into the next. So technically you could call it one song, but it's split up into two. Yeah, it's because, yeah, because generally a lot of the um, opening tracks are generally like an interlude, maybe a instrumental or a, you know, intro to a song. But um, yeah, Ambergris is sort of like our intro track to the album. Like it's got some lyrics on there, but it's mainly the sole point of that song is to really just sort of set the tone for the next track that comes straight after. Mm. And I think an intro is a good thing to start with because then you can get the listener hooked and then they get into the rest of the album. Yeah, 100%. I fully agree. Like, there are some absolute bangers that have been opening tracks that haven't been, um, obviously, intros like um, Them Bones by Alice in Chains and obviously people oh, are yeah. something Rage Against the Machine, but... <laughs> Those only come around once every ten oh, 100%. years. So <laughs> yeah, those are definitely uh, uh, those tracks are big staples in my music taste as well. Like them bones and and lots of Rage Against the Machine. Uh, big fan of those bands. Um, you know, they sort of got me started into the whole sort of music. And um, yeah, it's oh. yeah. Sorry, you go. Oh no, you go. Sorry. Oh, I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but um, no, Rage and Alice in Chains are certainly two of my favourite bands, especially of the 90s, like, along with, obviously, oh, yeah. Chili Peppers and Soundgarden and Slipknot and that. Oh, all classics, yes. Yeah, I think just that album, Dirt, I, like, you talk about albums perfect from start to finish. I don't think there's many albums as perfect as Dirt was. Oh yeah, it's such an iconic co- cover as well. Like you just look at that cover and you just you just know it. You can just see it. Mm-hmm. And sadly, of course, um, Lane Staley passed. It's over twenty yeah. years ago now, and um, oh, they, the, the two albums they did without Lane were pretty good. I thought. Yeah, I've never actually listened to those albums. Because um, Jerry um, Cantrell, yeah. Cantrell. Is it? He took over from Lane Staley, I think. Yeah. Which is really hard to take over from someone. Like, you know, you couldn't replace Kirk Cobain. You couldn't replace Chris Cornell. Like, Jerry Kittrell had some pretty big shoes to fill there. 100%. See, Linkin Park, you can't replace Chester. Like, there's just, you know, you can get someone that sounds similar, but it, it will never be. No. Uh, like even Chris Cannell, like you wouldn't. It almost be insulting to to try and you know like. And there's not to say that you can't have another singer after a passing, but um, it'll always be just the the heart and soul of the band. But I mean, not to say that the other members aren't important, but really, like there's no Nirvana without Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. or anything like that. And also, I think um, with Cornell and Bennington in particular, like some would argue, probably the t- arguably the two best voices of this generation, to re- just be able to replace them, it's not as easy as one, two, three. Here's the replacement lead singer. Like, oh, of course. And I mean, Lincoln Park for me, I was a huge new metal fan, and arguably 
my favourite new metal band was Linkin Park in the day. Like them and Drowning Pool and Corn, Mudvayne. Oh yeah, the main yeah, it was hundred percent. Yeah, that was an insane oh, yeah. era of music. Oh, I I wasn't really um, I guess that old to remember that era of music because I was very very young, but. I, I kind of wish that I could like live in that time sometimes and and experience what they experienced in that sort of great era of music. I think I'd just go from why my age on the podcast as well. Yeah. I'm talking about corn and mud lane, didn't I? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were long before we, my time. Yep. Well, uh, but there's still a lot of good music. There's a lot of good new metal actually in Australia and around the world still at the moment. It's a lot coming through, which is good. Yeah. So All when right. did... Oh, sorry. No, yeah, you go. Oh, sorry. Oh, now I've forgotten yeah, what I was going to say. You go. <laughs> no, you were about to ask a question. Was it, oh, was well, it a question? True, wasn't it? Um, yeah. When did you first become involved in music? Um... If we're talking about music as in, like, um, learning instruments or I'd say from the age of 13 is really when I really got involved in music. But, you know, I've always generally loved music as a kid. But um, I guess being involved in it and and being a part of it, I suppose, yeah, I'd I'd have to say probably from the age of 13 is when I really started to um, get my foot in the door with with learning instruments and and being like really heavily involved in music yeah i guess that would be sort of the age i suppose and the time yeah and is like was there any reason like you just wanted to pick up an instrument and start playing or did you want to start a band um well the reason um was sort of i had this lifelong friend that um got me into metal and i'd never really listened to metal before and uh just sort of as soon as i started listening to metal i was kind of hooked and um you know i'd be interested in to see how they how they did that on the guitar how how they made those riffs and eventually i just sort of became i had an obsession with guitar and and then i got music lessons and um yeah just started playing electric guitar and i i got to a stage where i started to become pretty good at it and then i thought you know i'm starting to get good at it i want to make something out of it so i'd always wanted to be in a band but i never really knew anybody that would have that similar interest and and want to do the similar things um and i guess um I knew of people that played music, but I didn't know whether they'd want to be in a band or not. But I don't know. Just luckily, one night I met up with a um, a band member that I wasn't really close with at the time, but we started, you know, jamming out music, and we just, I guess, made something out of it. So yeah, it's a really, it's an experience that I'm really grateful to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And it's showing you're passionate and your love for music in everything you do with Volo Inertia as well. Yeah, yeah. And aside from that as well, not even just in the band perspective, but um, even just 
music in general is a staple in my life. Like, uh, you know, if I'm feeling depressed, I'll put on some music. If I'm feeling happy, I'll put on some music. It's, it's really, I just couldn't imagine my life without music. No, it's good for the, um, good for life is music and it, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what sort of mood you're in. If you're listening to your favourite band or favourite artist and it's making you happy, that's always a good thing. Yeah, 100%. And it, it just, like anything, like movies, TV shows, video games, like if there's something that can impact you, like they can be so powerful and especially music can be so powerful really just makes you feel like things that make you feel like that are just yeah it's, it's hard to explain but like for example like going to the gym playing something that makes you amped up is 100 percent. just it's it it's so hard to describe but it's so I just guess it's so powerful. Mm. And yeah, it's if you've found something that you love and want to do it and focus on it. Also, like talking about dreams and that, like no challenge or dream is um, unachievable. Like anything, if you put your mind to it, anything can be achieved. If you say you want to join a band and, make your own music no one can stop you there might be obstacles but yeah hello hello sorry for a second cut out oh sorry i tend to cut out sometimes can you hear me now hello hello i can hear you yeah all right cool yeah so i don't know what was going on there but, um, yeah, no, it's such a great thing. Like, it, it has such an impact. Like, um, it's it's a tool as well. Like, get you through some really tough times and it can really just, like, set the tone for, the, like, the day and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's just such a, a, a blessing to have. And, yeah, like... Some people might not think it's that deep, but like to me, like music is really like a staple in my life, and it's kind of like it's like anything. Like at the moment, uh, the like going, uh, being physically active and and going to the gym and and listening to music is really like a staple at the moment. It's really like the glue that sort of you know it sets the tone for the day. Really, is a good way of describing it, at least. Yeah, and being, yeah, doing exercise and going to the gym is very good as well because it um, has you focused on something and keeping you fit as well and good for the mental health as well. Yeah, 100%. And not even just for physical reasons as well, but um, mental reasons. It's it's just such a therapeutic... um, It just really... Uh, sets the tone for the day and and sets uh, a a positive impact in your mind like even if it's just simple as going for a little walk in the afternoon it 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 might be small but for your mental health it's it's something that's I think everybody should do at least is go for a little walk in the afternoon um, and and just 
experience and get out, you know? Mm. Yes, and, walking is great exercise, for yeah, sure. 100%. And, and listening to music while you do it as well makes it even better, or even just, like, podcasts as well. Podcasts is... It's really just, like, sitting there and listening to a podcast is is something that's also pretty relaxing. Like, you know, you could be just, like, uh, chilling out one afternoon. You could be doing some housework or, you know, doing other things. But in the background, you could be listening to a, to a documentary or a story. So I think that's also another great thing about podcasts mm. as well I, as I, music. That, it's interesting you say that, Dane, because, like, with podcasting, like, I... Four years ago, I hadn't even thought about the idea of doing a podcast. You know, I, the only reason I had thought about it and chose to do them was because of um, COVID and the lockdowns, because the radio station I used to be at um, had to shut its doors for four months. And I thought, you know, I don't want to sit at home and stare at the four walls. So what can I do that's music and still has a passion, something I love, and that's how podcasts came about because it's so much easier doing a podcast than a radio show, which sounds really weird, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that um, I don't really have much to say on that because I don't really have much experience, but I suppose, you know, podcasting is a very... um big thing at the moment for a lot of people so you know it i guess it would be kind of hard to um i guess put a lot of time like it'd be very time consuming and and, and a lot of efforts like putting together a show or a podcast whereas sort of radio is sort of like already there for you whereas like i guess podcast you sort of got to build it up i suppose if that makes sense no that does actually make yeah. sense I think the beauty of podcasting is the whole thing about when you upload it, because with radio, it has to be there right then and there. Yeah. Or you, if you're pre-recording from home, you have to send it in in advance with a podcast. If I said, oh, today's episode wouldn't be up for 48 hours, which obviously it will be up much sooner than that. Yeah. Um, as long as you tell people, then it's no issue, really. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously, for those listening, it will not be up in 48 hours. It'll be up sometime <laughs> later this afternoon, obviously, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, Favourite yeah. song to perform live? Favourite song to perform live? Um, I, honestly, I'd have to say Into the Depths because um, it's really one of them songs where I can really get in the zone and, and really just engage with the crowd the most in that song i feel that um i don't know i just there's something about it in that breakdown and and um i tend to live i like to really get the crowd amped up on that song and it's just kind of the past few experiences have really stuck with me in that so i think that yeah into the depths is just such a it's just such a fun one to sing and play along to so uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd honestly i'd have to say into the depths it's a good song too. Like I like all the songs on the album, but I feel like that's the one I go back to more than 
any probably out of all the songs, even more than I may be going in circles, but at least I'm going somewhere. Like that was the first one I was like, love it. And then I heard Into the Depths. I'm like, nah, I'm going to go to do Into the Depths. Yeah, 100%. I think circles um, at the start, I really enjoyed it. But because of, I don't know, it's probably like the one I've sort of listened to the most because like obviously recording it and playing it. I think that one's sort of a bit oversaturated for me. Not that I don't, like, think it's... Not that I hate it. It's just probably out of every single other one, I think um, I enjoy those playing those other songs more because um, I guess they're not played as much. So I sort of prefer to just do what I haven't sort of beat to death. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, so I think, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't even know where I'm going now. <laughs> no, no, I know, I sort of know what you're trying to say. Yeah. Dane. yeah. Pretty much this whole interview, I've known what you're trying to say, but sometimes yeah. even I'm the same. Like, I'm trying to say something, but the words aren't coming out the way I want them to. Yeah, no, 100%, I feel that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah I think think if anyone's listening to this, they would understand what you're trying to say easily. <laughs> Not yeah. many people probably know what the hell I talk about half the time, so don't worry about <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, I've yeah. only got two more questions, Dane, because we've been yep. talking for nearly an hour and 20 minutes in total. Fucking yeah. hell, that's gone quickly. It has, yeah. I've completely lost track of time. Uh, time just at the moment for me it's just um, I wake up and and then the day's ended and then I wake up and then the day's ended and it, it's just at the moment I'm sort of a little bit on autopilot <laughs> well it's weekend as well so yeah yeah the weekends always go super quick and the weeks just sort of uh, drag on a little bit but yeah I guess I guess a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Because this is sort of the, I wouldn't say dull period of the year, but that's sort of the slow part of the year because Christmas and New Year's are done with now. So. Yeah, I always find the first few months of the year sort of drag on a little bit. And then sort of off those first three months sort of end, you get to a period where you're like, fuck, it's already like mid-year. And then mid-year ends and it's like, fuck, year's already over. It's, so, yeah, I guess really it's about, I guess whatever's going on in your life is how quick it's going to go, I suppose. <laughs> yep. And if you've got things happening every week or most weeks, then it makes the year go just even that much quicker than it always yeah. does. Definitely. All right. Which band would you like to be the support act for? There's, there's many bands, I suppose. That's Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I guess I'd love the opportunity to support maybe In Hearts Wake. Um, maybe I'd really like to open for Dead Nerve one day. They wouldn't be too far out of our reach, Dead Nerve. Um, I think they're a Brisbane band. Um, I'd love to play with Dead Nerve. Um, I'd love the opportunity to play with... Um, East Capri, um, yeah, mainly in at this point, 
yeah, it's it's a tough question, but really just just people that are like slightly above us, um, you know, that really bring in the crowd and and you know just getting to connect as well. Um, I, I really wouldn't put it as to one particular band, but I guess if it was the case, and maybe in Hearts Way because that'd be sick. Um, but if we're speaking on a level where it's just bands that I want to play with, just I guess yeah, really, really, just a bunch of Brisbane bands and and even just places we we haven't been. That'd be that'd be a great start. Well, and uh, I mean Ace Capri and Dead Nerve. I I reckon you're right. They're definitely from Queensland somewhere. Dead Nerve. I know. Yeah. Um, East Capri actually were down here in Melbourne only a few weeks ago. They um, played yeah. the Workers Club, and I just loved um, Clean Out. I like Val Vision, but I feel like Clean Out just got me even more into East Capri than I already me, was. Me too. Yeah, see, uh, Clean Out was the first thing I heard of them, um, and that really got me into them like a bunch. Um, I didn't mind Val Vision. It was, it was really good, but... I think uh, Clean Out really stuck with me more. Um, yeah. Maybe it's because it was the first track I heard. Maybe it'd be a bit different if I heard Bale Vision first and then Clean Out. But um, yeah, no, I've spoke to uh, two of their members a couple times over social media. I haven't met them personally, but I'd really like the chance to one day um, and see them. I, I miss it out the chance to see them because. I was actually playing a gig the same night they were playing a gig, so that's why I couldn't go watch them, but I wish I did. Don't you hate that when two things clash on the same yeah. night? Yeah. It's like, fuck, I really want to go see East Capri, but I'm actually playing a gig the exact same time. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Cause Cause I'm, I'm, oh, sorry, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, they were playing the venue the night after, so, that, so we played at this venue called the Tomcat, um, yep. on a Friday night in Brisbane. Yep. And the following night, we had a gig at the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. And they played on Saturday night at the same venue we played on Friday night. So it was the night after they played at the Tomcat in Brisbane. I was like, fuck, I'm at the sunny coast. I wish I could come back to the venue I played at last night just to watch them. Oh. Uh, look, I love the fact that there's a lot of gigs and... Um, shows happening on the same night as each other. It's great to see with the music scene, yeah. but it's sort of just, you're like, fuck, what do I actually choose? Like, yeah. It's a, it's a, t- it's a tough one, but um, yeah, like one day things will, um, I guess schedules will line up better and, and I'll get the opportunity, but yeah, I'd love to see Capri and, a bunch of other Brisbane bands that I haven't seen. Not not like the biggest bands ever, but um, even those smaller underground bands are still, I bet they'd put on a hell of a show. And everyone's got to start somewhere, don't That's exactly right. And um, I guess we sort of started with small sort of Lismore shows, but... Um, yeah, sort of Brisbane's been our go-to because where we're from, there's not the most amount of support for heavy shows around this sort of area, but in Brisbane it's massive there, which I've come to find out where there's a big scene up there compared to where we live. So, yeah, Brisbane's normally our go-to. 
because you've got yeah Tomcat and um, Backroom. You've got the zoo. You got a whole heap up that way. Yeah, there's another one called the Greaser as well. We've played at. Uh, we want to we want to play on the bright side as well, but we haven't uh, had any shows booked there or planned to make a show there yet. So hopefully they'll uh, be on the cards this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, Brisbane, it's really not that far. Like, it is from what, from Gippsland, it's a long way, obviously. But oh, yeah, definitely. From Lismore, it's much more manageable to Brisbane. Uh, and... Yeah, no, I fully agree. Oh, it's uh, thinking about long drives, um, uh, the drive to Sydney. Um, I'd done that a couple of times, and um, thinking about it makes me really tired. <laughs> Because it's about a ten, uh, say, ten to twelve hour drive, and yeah, yeah, for me, ten to twelve hour drive, and um, it's a mission. I can't imagine driving to Melbourne. <laughs> um, I think that's probably around about the same, honestly. Yeah, Sydney to Melbourne's at least ten hours, at least. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, long drives can be fun, but uh, I don't do it very often, but I've done it a couple times. It's quite the experience. I remember me and my brother did a road trip from Melbourne. No, actually, it was from Warrigal all the way up to Coffs Harbour, and that was a mammoth road trip. It was like 18 oh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> Gee whiz. So, yeah, Coffs Harbour takes probably about three, two or three hours for me. But... um. Yeah, no, um, you know, drives can be fun, but at the same time, uh, they can be, like, to anyone that hasn't experienced a long drive on their own, uh, it's very, very just different from, you know, I'd always drive to Brisbane by myself, but then driving to Sydney, it was like, oh dear, like, this is nothing compared to driving to Brisbane, this is like a whole different ball game. A lot of stimulants. <laughs> Driving through Sydney as well, like I know a lot of people that just don't like driving in Sydney. So it's yeah, yeah. it's um yeah, I can fully say that driving in cities absolutely. I hate driving in cities because I don't live in a city. I live in a town, a small town. Um, so it's a bit different, but just driving in a city is very nerve wracking at times and a bit overwhelming because I don't live there and, uh, it just gets very busy. <laughs> yes. And country roads generally, like they can be busy country or town roads, but nothing compared to the Melbournes or the Sydney's, Adelaide's, Perth's, those oh, yeah. roads. No. Yeah. No, it's nothing, nothing compared to a city driving. I, the less the less that I drive in the city, the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So my last question, and then Dane has the floor to ask me any questions that he wants. Yep. That what we haven't covered in an hour and a half. I don't know what we haven't <laughs> covered yet. But yeah. Where do you see Volar Inertia in five years' time? Well, I'd hope. To see us um, doing tours and um, playing bigger and better shows and having at least another album out there in those five years and really growing as a band and, and um, 
really just doing it hopefully uh, more often hopefully maybe making a career out of it one day but uh, we've got to start somewhere I suppose but I generally would would hope that we'd be at a stage where we've uh, played a lot more places in Australia rather than just Brisbane um, you know even you know I'd like to see us travel in the future I'd, I'd like to see us go on big road trips and many more memories and adventures to do um, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd definitely hope that we could uh, see more places in Australia really and I think that's very achievable in five years as well. That's, yeah, even maybe yeah. international as well. Maybe, maybe uh, do a little little tour around different countries and really, yeah, just music. Aside from music wise, um, just life wise as well. Just just being able to uh, make new memories and adventures and stories and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'd have to say that's really what I'd want us to do in the next five years. And I think if we were looking at maybe 10 years ago, five years for an Australian band to tour around the world and road trip tours, might have been not as likely. I think now, more than any time, is the best opportunity for Australian bands to do international tours because... We've already spoken of, you know, Vortivision and Redhawk and Magnet yeah. Suffolk Parkway, who have all made it huge overseas. Uh, Thornhill, even. I mean, it is achievable. It is. I think, really, if you're willing to do it and put in the work and really just, you know, small steps at a time, like, I think, you know, make, like set realistic goals, but at the same time, don't be afraid of, you know, um, pushing for something greater, you know. Never, um, you know, if you want to go above and beyond, then by all means, do what's necessary. Mm-hmm. And if it's risky, I reckon try and take the risk because you just don't know what this could lead to because if you miss that opportunity that might not come around again for 10 years. Exactly. And never be, never be afraid to just step out of your comfort zone every once in a while and, and do things that um, you wouldn't normally do to experience, you know, other things. So, yeah, that's... Like, you miss out on a lot of things that you could have done if you, if you never did them. So, yeah, and I think that should apply to all areas of life as well, not just music-wise, but, you know, um, like, do things that, you might not normally do because life's too short to just just to to hope for things to come i think there's a level of actually wanting things to happen going out of your way to to make those sorts of things happen and i think if um that covid has taught us anything is to um yeah just life's too short i mean you've got to take chances because two three years ago we couldn't even step outside our front door and go for a terrible time meet. that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my theory is that now I don't like nothing's too risky. Like, no. as strange as it sounds, but it's sort of like, what's the worst that can happen if I take a risk? Exactly. It's in the heat. 100%. I mean, and, and it applies to areas like, you know, 
inquiring about maybe a venue you haven't played it yet. It's like, what's the worst they can say is that we don't want you to play there. Like, that's probably like the worst thing that could happen. And yeah. and if you don't, you know, connect and, and try and network with others, how far are you going to get without talking to anybody, you know? And same with podcast interviews. Like, I, yeah. some people have asked me, am I afraid to hear no? I'm like, right at the moment, I really want to hear a no because, like, as strange as that might sound, it's like I haven't heard someone say flat out they don't want to do a podcast interview because if someone did say no, it wouldn't face me at all because, yeah. you know, if 99% of people are saying yes and one person says no, that's a pretty good um, ratio when you look at yeah. it. Yeah, I think so too. I think that, you know, not everybody has the same views and, and same sort of responses. Um, and I think, you know, one one person saying no doesn't mean that, you know, it, it's not to be taken in a way where it's like they don't like you or anything. I think it's just preference really, hey. Yeah. And you're right with the venue thing as well, Dane. I mean, like if one venue says no, you yeah. know, the next two venues might say, hey, we want Fall Inertia to play a show here and maybe strike up a good friendship. Like once a year they come to our venue and play a show. Like, yeah. Yeah. See, if I, you know, had a venue that um, didn't want the show to go ahead, it wouldn't stop me from going to a different venue. Um, it'd be like, say, one bad experience wouldn't stop me from, um, you know, doing something else, you know? Like, if something doesn't go right, doesn't mean it's always going to go wrong, you know? Mm. So, yeah, no, I think that's a good good way to look at it. Very important life lesson there as well. If yeah. Never give up on anything in life general as well. Yeah, I mean. yeah there's always going to be setbacks and like speed bumps and stuff along the way, and that's just that's just reality. That's just part of the, the world, and th- th- it'll always be there, but it's not to say that, you know, it's not ever always going to be like that. There are, there are going to be good times, there are going to be shit times, and... It's just what how we um, choose to move on from them and, and um, move forward. And, you know, yeah. yeah, and everyone has set back. Everyone gets told no, so you just got to pick yeah. yourself back up and keep going. That's exactly right. <sighs> so, yeah, um, I was going to say, um, Shall I ask my question? Oh, yeah, actually, I should yeah. probably say now the floor is Dane's to ask Sam any questions. And as I said at the start, there's nothing off limits and nothing I've heard, not heard before. So, so okay, cool. Um, what, um, I suppose, with supporting the live music scene and, and artists and bands, like that um what where do you see yourself in a year's time maybe one or two years time do you see yourself um doing these sorts of things or expanding or 
um, yeah, like what's sort of a, where would you like to be next year? Love the question. And again, this is another newbie as well. No one has actually ever asked this, Dane. They've asked, you know, who would I like to interview or favourite guests that I've had on the podcast. I've never actually been asked that question of where do I want to see myself with these in a year. To be honest, I actually don't know where I want to be in, you know, 18, 24 months. Someone has mentioned, a few people have mentioned, have I thought about starting my own um, sort of bookings for gigs and all that and sort of expanding, you know, having a bookings agency thing down here in Gippsland because down here there's not a lot of live music happening. Yeah, okay. To a degree, more and more I think about it, a lot of people have mentioned it. I think maybe not in a year or two, but certainly, you know, four or five years down the track, it might be something to look into. Yeah. But also, the one thing I want to do in the next year or two, and look, this is probably like the bookings agency it's probably five years down the track i'd love to interview a big name international band now yeah that's gonna be easier said than done i'd love to interview like ollie sykes or Corey taylor but yeah i mean you you never say never like i've got a friend that's interviewed billy corgan from smashing pumpkins and yeah well um the vocalist out of him and that but I think, yeah, I would love to interview, yeah, Corey Taylor or Ollie Sykes, but on the um, Australian side of things, Void of Vision, Trophy Eyes, probably the two, which are probably more achievable than the other two, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, um, you know, it's never never a bad thing to, to have a, um, you know, a, a goal that's, um, to some, like, it might be, what do you call it? Like, I know what I'm trying to say, but I don't know what I'm trying to say at the same time. It's, it's never a bad thing to strive to want to have like a big goal. Like say, for example, if I want to, you know, have a big goal, like say, if I want a dream car or something like it might be a goal that's a bit unrealistic at the moment, but it's never a bad thing to, to, have it so it pushes you to do greater for example like you might not be able to get that car right now but if you have that goal um it's it's making you better than you were i suppose yesterday if that makes sense like it's it's pushing you to do a a smaller goal that's attainable so then when you do that smaller goal you can do an even bigger smaller goal and bigger and bigger so you know what i mean like it just it sort of branches out and and makes you more sort of dialed in and focused. Mm. Now that totally yeah. makes sense what you just yeah. said then. The other yeah. thing with the um what I want to do is just um sort of continue to do what I do to support the local and live music scene. I want to sort of like I'm taking a bit of a step back from live music this year cuz last year was that was yeah, draining. That was huge. That's like, was that 100 gigs or something? 
58 gigs last year and it was like 112 in two years it was insane yeah that's that's a big effort and um yeah congrats man that's uh it's really um whether it's a big gig or a small gig like just you know even just supporting small bands big bands whatever it's it's such a great thing and i i think that's a real real positive thing of what you what you're doing for the music and and people in general so yeah if anything i'd just say keep it up and yeah it's great and i love it you know there's been a lot of shows that i've walked out of and i've just i've just said because people ask like what did you think of that gig and i just said honestly i walk out of a gig and if i don't talk to anyone out of the bands there's no bad blood there it's more that i'm there to support them and show my appreciation for what they do yeah 100 percent. and um i think if everyone thought a bit more that way um you know like gigs would be more special um and it's not always about talking to people and and you know the fact that you experienced it you got to watch something you know it's it's really a, a positive in general like yeah it's just going to shows you know and not every show is going to be great like there are some shows where you think oh i didn't enjoy that much but you know i still appreciated it you know mm. And I think, um, yeah, it's sort of like I have also taken the view now that I don't go to gigs. This is my theory. I go to a gig to just with an open mind of the fact that, you know, I don't want to expect too much and then be disappointed. I just go in saying, all right, I'm just going out for a night on the town, watch a few bands, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And yeah, it's um. Sorry. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I keep interrupting you, Dane. This is really rude of me, isn't it? No, Shit. <laughs> no, no, no. That was my impulsive mind thinking I needed to say something, but I didn't. <laughs> but um, <sighs> and serious like those sorts of gigs where you have that open mind of not to expect too much have been some of the best gigs I've been to, and. Nine times out of ten, I've caught up with the headliner at those bear, at those gigs, which is even more promising. And I wasn't expecting to catch up with the headliners for a chat. Yeah, it's crazy how how those sorts of things happen. Like uh, one time, I saw while she sleeps, and I think Loathe was playing with them, and I was just in like the um, I think it was the the dining area where people eat their meals and stuff like that. And I ended up catching the lead singer out of Loathe. And I um, I sort of just walked straight past him and I didn't even realise it was him. I was like, oh. So I just, you know, wanted to tell him he put on a good show and, you know, it was it was awesome. And this was the last thing I expected was to shake the singer's hand and, and Loathe are pretty well known. So um, the fact that I got to speak to him is, is, is fucking, it's awesome. <laughs> I think those are the best memories is when you're not expecting and yeah. in that case with Loathe, I mean, yeah, it's like if you were two minutes later or two minutes earlier, you might have missed out. 
yeah it's very spontaneous it's very um you you don't realize it and you're like oh shit that just happened that was really cool um had i not walked in that room at that point maybe that wouldn't have happened so i'm kind of glad it did and that's happened to me not just the emmy one but um this is a couple of years ago in Taralgon and because it wasn't their gig, I was sort of like, all right, here's the thing. Do you approach a band that are at a gig that they're not playing or do you just leave them be and have to- they can have time with the friends? So uh, this was at the Mirrors gig and I was literally just walking up to the bar to grab a drink and um, someone out of the corner of my eye I saw and I'm like, what does that person look so familiar? And um, someone pointed out to me that it was Carl from Ocean Sleeper, which I hadn't even picked up because I hadn't seen Carl before. And I'm like, what do I do here? Do I approach? Do I leave him? And I just said, what's the worst Carl's going to say? Just leave me alone. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. So I walked up and I just said, oh, hey, Carl, big fan of your band. And we chatted for like 10 minutes. And it's like, I mean, Carl, you know, we might only catch up once a year, fuck, if that. But it's just like that's something that I'll remember so much is that we spoke for only 10 minutes, but sometimes that's all that's needed. Exactly, man. And like little things like that have like such a big impact and you'll always look back and remember like, you know, imagine if I didn't do that. Imagine if I didn't, you know, because a lot of people are anxious like that, like they don't want to come across in a certain way or they're worried. But, you know, like you said, like what's the worst that can happen? And, and the fact that you did that, you know, it's left an impact. So it's, it's a great thing. Mm, It certainly is. And with your, um, one with the lead singer of Loath, same thing for you like yeah it it was only like a minute of conversation probably less than a minute of conversation but like you know exchanged a few words and um you know it was a real cool moment um it's not one that i think about a lot but every now and then i think oh whenever i think about loathe if anyone plays loathe or tells me about loathe or you know if i ever listen to loathe i think oh i remember that one time i talked to him that was pretty cool but um, a lot of the times as well, like, um, a lot of people like to think of big musicians and, and celebrities like they're, they're not people. Like, you know, people that are famous and have a large following, they're people just like us. Mm. Um, they, you know, have the same emotions we do, whatnot. So I think um, looking at it from, like, just, you know, just think of it as, like, they're just like me. They might, you know, have more of a following, or they might be more successful. But th- at the end of the day, they're they're the same as me. So it's a very yeah. good way to look at it that way. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, yes. no, I think that's uh, really all I can um, touch up on, and all I can really think about um, words-wise. So yeah, I don't really have uh, too many more things to. To, to say, I suppose. <laughs> well, this is the part of the interview I hate, Dane, the most of any interview is when it has to actually end. So yes. if I had to think I liked 
about podcasts is getting to interview bands. The thing I hate is when it has to end, unfortunately. The, the, the departure. <laughs> um, I've had a ball, Dane, as I have with all bands and artists and guests. Awesome. And um, I'll have Dane and Volley Inertia back on any time. You know, maybe not tomorrow, but somewhere yeah, down yeah. the track, definitely. Awesome. No, I've had a I've had a blast, Sam. It's been really awesome to chat to you uh, on the on the podcast, and um, I really really appreciate you uh, having me on here. It's uh, it's been a blast. Certainly has. Just before we go, Dane, we can find Volley Inertia on socials. Yes, that's uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere. Uh, we we're on there, so uh, yeah. Well, that's your indication now to listen to Volley Inertia. That's <laughs> Sam's recommendation. If you don't, I'll hunt you. No, I won't hunt you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please, please listen to us. <laughs> uh, and share them and go to a show if they've got one coming up in your area as well. That'd be good. Yeah. Bloody oath. Well, uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on, Sam. Um I've had a had a lot of uh, fun being on here, and um, yeah, uh, I look forward to chatting with you again wherever in the future. And yeah, um, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Dean, and I'll send you these links very shortly as well if you want to stream and share around. Awesome, we'll do. We'll be sharing this to my friends and bandmates and whatnot. And um, yeah, I I look forward to listening to it listening to it later no worries Dane well you enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll catch it up again soon awesome thanks Sam appreciate it no worries Dane no worries catch up catch up